0: Amen. Well, listen, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I I want you to uh, read along silently as I I read out loud here. Follow along. We're going to read from verses 11 through 13, really focusing today on verse 13. This is the Word of God. you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word as we open it up and as we study it and as we seek to apply it today, we pray in the name of Jesus for his glory and for our good, amen, amen. Today, we're really gonna focus on a statement that's made here on how to kill sin in your life. Because of that question and the nature of the question, I believe it's one that is as relevant to each of us as anything we could ask this morning. For there are many of you, and uh, and, and by the way, I'm not distancing myself, uh, from the equation of sin being an issue in my life, I I will open up a little bit about that as we go today. Uh, but there are many of you, and I say that because of statements you make to me, uh, times of counseling that we have, you know, just conversations and experience I have walking alongside you. There are many people in this room who you have particular sins. That seem to, and it is not every week. It may not be every day, but it seems that particular sins creep back into your life, and they cause you uh, to stumble. Okay, and so then you come to me, or you come to someone else. You come and confess, and you know openly seek for the gospel power to be, you know, healing your life. But I, I, I know that this is a relevant question for you, you're aware that there is sin that can creep into our lives and cause us to not be able to walk in line with the Spirit of God, okay? Now, what we wanna ask is this, and it's the question that you see in your worship guide, but it is the question, how do we, By the Spirit. So how how do we, by the power of the Spirit, put to death sin that exists in our lives? How do we, by the Spirit, put to death sin in our lives? So you hear me, I believe, very loudly proclaim to you, and I hope you hear this often, the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross, Asking you to be lavish, like look at the grace, receive the grace, be lavished in his grace. Look at what he has done for you. We're constantly pointing you back to what Christ has done for you and what he is still to do for you. Today, we're going to have a little tension come in. And the tension is this. In the midst, in in the reality of what... God has done for us as we are lavished and covered and resting in his grace, how do we kill sin that is in our lives? So yes, what I'm saying is there is redemptive, redeeming, justifying work that only Christ can do. And there is a sanctifying work that Christ does in us that involves a response from us. Does that make sense? You, you, you following along with me, I need to make sure. I'm saying there's, you're gonna have to act. You're gonna have to respond. You're going to have to, by the power of the Spirit, kill sin in your life, okay? Now, we're going to go over this text and then we're going to apply this text. And so just walk with me through uh, the text. We'll talk about it and help explain what the word of God is telling us here. So look with me in verse 12. <clears throat> the apostle Paul, of course, inspired by God, is telling us this. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not debtors, not to the flesh. Or we are debtors, not to the flesh. Now, what, what does that mean? that we are debtors not to the flesh. It it means we do not owe the flesh anything. Like, Like you're not in debt to the flesh. And this of course is people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are in Christ. You have the spirit of God in you. The word of God tells us you owe the flesh nothing. Okay, you owe them nothing. We are told and already have been told and we've gone over it twice now from Romans chapter six that sin has no dominion over us who are in Christ Jesus. It does not reign over us. It does not rule over our hearts. We do not owe it anything. What Paul is saying is this, is you are in debt but not to sin. Sin. You are in debt to Christ. You owe sin nothing. You owe Jesus Christ everything. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do we not live lives according to the flesh? How how do we not live apart from God or seek to live apart from God, but how do we instead repent from that lifestyle, turn to Jesus Christ and walk in the power of the Spirit and live? That's the question that we're looking at today, all right? So I join you to look in your outline there and we've got four R's, okay? You gotta have some R's in your outline and we've got four of them today. And so the first way that we're gonna look at that how do we, by the Spirit, put to death sin in our lives, number one is we remember. We remember what? uh, Numerous things, okay? Here are several of those, and I invite you to take notes. One is remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Like Romans 8, verse 12 and 13, do not come outside of Romans chapter one, all the way through eight verse 11. Okay, like like it, we have already been told and we've been walking through who we are in Adam and now who we are in Christ. We have already been walking through, this is who we are by nature. This now is who in Christ we become by grace. We have seen very clearly in God's word that we could not save ourselves by works. Our obedience to the law could never save us, but Jesus Christ and in receiving Christ, the one who lived in our place, died in our place and rose from the grave, that in him, we can live. In him, we can find forgiveness. In him, we have grace and salvation. The whole time we've been pointed to that by the law, you can never earn your salvation. So when we're talking about sin and when we're talking about killing sin, we need to be reminded again and we need to be reminded of this in 10 minutes and we need to be reminded of this tomorrow. But remember that when we're talking about killing sin and we're talking about getting things out of our life, that that work in itself is not our salvation. It just shows that we've been saved. Does that make sense? You follow me? Like not. If, if you don't shake, no, I wanna, I wanna know. Okay. So nothing that we do will make God love us more. Nothing that we do can make him love us less. He loves us perfectly in Christ Jesus. We're there. On the flip side of that, what we do in regards to sin shows very clearly that we have or we have not received the grace. So our response to sin in our life, our desire to have it removed, our fight against it, our war against it gives proof to the justification that we have because we believed it. Does that make sense? I wanna ask you that again. We're, we're, We're good, okay. So what we need to do when we walk into this text, when we're talking about killing sin in our life, first we need to remember the gospel. Remember what Christ has done. Remember who we are in him. Remember those promises that we saw a couple weeks ago that there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like if you're in Christ, you're safe from condemnation. He took it. There's no more slavery to sin for you. You're not in chain to it anymore. You don't owe it anything. We must remember that as we by the power of God fight against it. Remember this statement. We are not only saved by grace, but we will be trained by grace as well. The the same gospel that saved you is the gospel that will sanctify your heart. We need to be a people who are constantly looking to, this is who Christ is, this is what he's done, and this is why it matters in my life. And taking the, uh, the sin that may exist in our life getting it out of the way and instead looking deeply into the gospel, who we are in Christ and who we are made to be by his grace. We need to remember God's promises and the instrument that we war with. When, when we talk about, in just a few minutes, I'm gonna give a, some statements about putting things to death. We're gonna talk about uh, fighting and killing and we're gonna we're going use these kind of terms and when we talk about that, the instrument that we fight with by the power of God is the sword, it's, it's God's word. And I think for some of us, maybe we know the answer of that and we'll, we can call this the sword and we can you know, do it, but, but we don't even really know what that means. And, and a lot of what that means is this, is fighting against lies, with truth, fighting against who Satan and our flesh tells us that we are and instead swinging this sword and saying, no, this is who God's word says I am. I I don't owe you anything, but I owe him everything. It's learning to fight with God's promised word. Also, I want you to remember God's power. You know, part of me is like, man, how could you miss it? Like when you're, when you're reading Romans 8, I'm like, how, how could you miss the power of the Spirit? But yet I know from my own life how many times I've tried to live out in the flesh what only God can do in me. And I think you know that too. And so what we need to remember is this, is that only God can truly kill sin in our life. But at the same time, We have to respond rightly against it and war with him in it. The last remember is this. I I want you to remember that God is speaking to each of us. When we look at this text, God's not speaking to you about the person down the road from you. He's speaking to us. He's been speaking to me through this text for the last couple weeks. Man, I'm thinking about it all the time. May you realize today that he's he's speaking right to you. We all need this grace. We all need this gospel. So first is, man, before we talk about anything else, man, we gotta remember. We gotta remember. And according to this scripture, Paul is telling us, hey, guys, I've already told you, you're not in debt to the sin. You don't owe it anything. All right, number two. Not only do we remember, but we've got to remove sin. We've got to remove it from our lives. Earlier, Kyle read from Hebrews, and I want us to read this text. We're actually going to see it twice today as we walk down this passage. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is what we want to see. And So I'll read it for you. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When we're talking about putting sin to death, and by the way, that is strong language. It means kill sin. It means to... Uh, ruthlessly remove it from your life. John Owen, he was a, a Puritan pastor. He said this He said, kill sin or it will be killing you. Kill sin or it will kill you. That's how serious this is. And so when we talk about it, it's like the, the only time I get to say from the pulpit that you get to be violent against something, okay? So if you're, if you're that kind of person that like, you know, you love football because you like linebackers hitting somebody real hard and really deep inside, you want to punch somebody in the face sometimes. Like if that's you, okay, don't hit anybody in the face, but you can take that violence and that aggressiveness and put it towards sin, okay? Be against it. And this text tells us, man, put it to death, remove it, kill it. And here in Hebrews, the, the writer says that there's a race that we are to be running. But for us to run it, we're gonna have to remove any weight and sin that clings closely. And so I wanna give you a picture here and I, I've told you this before. In fact, I think twice publicly. And so I, I am repeating a story and I realize that. So if you got it written down in your Bible or something, I know I've told it before. I think it's a helpful picture. My, uh, my two oldest girls, Lucy and Annie Ruth, they like to race in our yard. Okay. And so we have a, a good yard Our the, the front of our yard has a, a flat part that's, that's got about a, you know, couple hundred foot of running room. And my girls like to run from our mailbox to a telephone pole and back. And, you know, Lucy is just kind of a little natural born athlete. Annie Ruth is just real cute. Okay. And so they, they uh, She's probably got some athlete in her too, but Lucy is just like, you know, it's not even funny like how easy it is to her. And, and so she's just fast. And, and so they, they get to running and it's always a little frustrating for Annie Ruth because Annie Ruth has just now gotten to the telephone pole and Lucy's back at the mailbox. And so one day I decided that I would complicate this and give a scripture lesson. And so I went inside, I got some little weights and I put the weights inside a backpack that Lucy had and I put it on her. And so I put it on her and she said, oh, this is heavy. And I said, yeah, it is. Okay, now I want you to run and and race Annie Ruth. And so they run and guess what? She still beat Annie Ruth. And so I was like, this is hurting my illustration. So I ran inside, got a couple more weights and put it in her backpack. And Lucy starts running and she just collapsed. She fell down. She said, I can't run the race unless you get this stuff off of me. I said, okay, thank you. There you go. Now I can preach that. All right, so... Here's the the reason why I I tell you that story and I've told you before is it's kind of a funny example of something that is not funny that exists in our life and it's how sin keeps us from walking in line or running the race that the Lord has for us. You cannot live the life that God has called you to and have sin in your life. It, It doesn't work. And so example, And I'm gonna give some hard ones, okay? But I think sometimes you need to do that. Example, if you are a person who you are struggling constantly with bitterness against another, that bitterness harbored in your heart will keep you from running the race. In a very real sense, you cannot walk in line with the spirit and be bitter against your brother at the same time. Like you can't do both of them at the same time. It doesn't work. It's entangling you. It's getting in your way. It's causing you to fall down. It's causing divisions and strife and pain. It it, it doesn't work. It sucks out joy. What about this? Just going straight for it. I believe that there are individuals in this room who you struggle with looking at pornography. Pornography. I believe that. I don't want to believe it, but I do believe it. I believe there's individuals in this room who you look at pornography. And I want you to know you cannot possibly look at pornography and walk in the spirit at the same time. You can't possibly honor Jesus Christ and look at pornography at the same time. You need to have somebody tell you Things that you, you ought to know, but it's this, is your sin's never as private as you think it is. And your sin always hurts. It always hurts. For some of you, there's a relationship in your office. There's a relationship somewhere in your life that though you may not have walked away from your family, though you might not have physically done something, you have emotionally given your mind and heart to another person, and it is crushing your ability to walk in line with the Spirit, and it is hurting your family. For some of you, I believe there is there there can be... uh, selfish desires, there could be covening that takes place that you didn't get the thing that you wanted or maybe your sister or your brother has something that you could never have or maybe they got approval that you always wanted. Whatever it might be, that in your heart is causing you not to be able to walk in line with the spirit. You can't run the race that God has for you. What do we do? We have to remove it. We have to remove it. If you have addiction, if you have anything in your life that is keeping you from walking in line with the spirit, running the race that God has for you, by the power of the spirit, we gotta remove it from our lives. And we should be aggressive at getting it out. Zero tolerance. You cannot play around with sin. It will get you every time. By the power of the Spirit, we must put to death the deeds of the body. We must remove sin. Look at a couple of other examples. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3. And these are all different scriptures that are really saying the same kind of thing. Okay. And so where we have put to death... We, we have in Colossians, we're going we're to have uh, the same type of language. Ca- uh, chapter three, verse five, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, so this is similar language. This is, we've got to remove it out of our life. We've got to kill it. We've got to put it to death. And of course, there's a wide range of, of sin. We have sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, uh, which the Bible says is idolatry. This, This is something, this can be some immorality that everybody would point to and say, yeah, that's immoral. It also can be something like you got on Facebook and you wish you had something that somebody else had in their picture. Okay, like that can cause you major pain and uh, struggle and cause you to trip in your life because you're coveting something you wish you had it. Somebody else takes it. You've become envious. That that is sin that can trip us, that can take control. Uh, and, And what the Lord is telling us here is this. Don't play around with sin. Instead, by the Spirit, put it to death. Kill it. So we see that language there in Colossians 3. Look with me in a couple of other places. Look at Romans chapter 13. We will certainly get to this text here in in a matter of uh, months. But Romans chapter 13, I just want you to see the language here. It's very consistent throughout the Bible. In verse 12 of chapter 13, it says the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So casting off the works of darkness. It's very similar. Putting sin to death, removing it from our lives. One more place, Ephesians chapter four. Look at, look at verse uh, 22. This is right in the middle of the thought, but we'll, we'll talk through it in just a minute. We're told to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. And so we've got this language of taking something that is old off of us, okay? So let's move on from here. So we've seen, we're gonna connect all this together. We've got how do we by the spirit put to death Sin in our lives. How do we kill sin so that it's not killing us? Well, first we remember all oh, just the goodness of the Lord uh, on, as far as the gospel in connection to us, who we are in him and what he's done. N- number two, though, we remove sin. We, we get violent against it. We are aggressive towards it. We remove it. We put it to death. We kill it. Number three, we have to learn to not only remove, but to, in the power of the Spirit, replace replace. And this is that language you've been seeing there in Colossians, that you see it in Romans 13, you see it in Ephesians 4. And the language goes something like this, is that we have to take off what is old and we have to put on something new. Now that involves action from us. So imagine it's like, you know, that probably every I mean, I'm saying every day. And when I say every day, I really mean it's almost like every second we're needing to be preaching to ourselves. But it's like you're constantly learning to remove something off of you and to put on a new layer of clothing. Put on something new. Put on a promise from the Lord. Put on truth. Put on what God says about me and take off what Satan would say. That's the kind of language that we're given here. In Romans 13, one, one of the most beautiful phrases that we will find in Scripture about taking off and uh, replacing is found here. Let me Let me get to it here. We're told to, in verse 14 of chapter 13, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. See, for those of us who are in Christ, we're not obligated to sin. We don't owe sin. We don't owe the flesh anything. But we know the tension that exists within us to go and gratify its desires. But because we're not enchained to it, we've been set free by the power of the Spirit. Now we have, by God's grace, the power to not gratify the desires of the flesh, but now to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, to, to walk in the life that brings joy and peace, that brings blessing, not hurt and pain, not hopelessness, a life of love. We must remove and replace. We'll read a scripture for you and then we'll move on. But I think this could be very helpful for you. Ephesians chapter four, I'm gonna read this whole section. And what Paul's doing is he is applying in the same way that we are today. When we're saying we've got to remove and replace Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 17, Paul is going to uh, tell the church at Ephesus to do that very thing. And he gives some really good examples. May the Lord use this in your life today. Starting in verse 17, he says, now this I say, and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality and a greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. That's not to be true of you. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, So, put away telling lies, put away speaking falsehood, and instead speak truth to your neighbor. Speak differently to those, not dishonest, but now with honesty and integrity. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. So, maybe before your anger led to great sin and heartbreak and pain, don't do that anymore. You can be angry about your own sin. You can, in this sense, hate something that God hates. But don't be angry in the flesh. Give no opportunity to the devil. I love verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Quit using your hands to hurt. Quit using your hands to steal. Instead, he says, use your hands to labor well. Like, like, don't use your hands to, you know, to, to hurt somebody or to steal. Use your hands to be a blessing. We have to tell our girls that all the time. We don't have to tell them to not steal. We hadn't really gotten to that point at this moment, I don't think. But but where we are is constantly, we have the issue, you know, somebody hit me. Hazel punched me in the face. Lucy did that. and I had, and we have to say, don't use your hands to hurt. Use your hands to love. That's kind of the same type of, language. It says, let him labor, not steal, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So first they were, had this idea of greed and selfishness that they would even take something that wasn't theirs. Now they're using those same hands to be a blessing to those around them. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fit the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What about we learn by the power of the Spirit to kill sin in our life where we might gossip or slander, where we might speak against someone, hurt somebody with our words, but instead learn how by the grace of God and the power of God to speak in such a way that builds people up, not breaks them down. And as a a parent, I think about this all the time. Like the words that I speak over my children, I know, I know they can have deep and lasting impact on my children. What I say in a moment of sin can hurt them for years. As I counsel with people, I I see that all the time is, is that something that was said to them as a kid is coming back over and over again in their adult life. Man, fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, People, brothers and sisters, when we speak, make your words count. Speak words of grace, not words that break down and kill. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. But we're putting on something. But now be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ. Forgave you, so church, the call by god 's spirit today is this: is that we by His spirit put to death sin in our lives by remembering who we are in him and who we 're in debt to we 're not in debt to sin, we owe Christ our life by removing sin that entangles us that keeps us from running the race from walking in line with the spirit we 've got to take it off we 've got to put it to death we 've got to get rid of it. And then we replace with truth, with promise word, with love and acceptance in the gospel. We replace with the word of God. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then lastly, we refocus. We refocus. I want you to consider once again Hebrews chapter 12. My, my favorite part of that text and, and one that I, I love to say to myself quite often it's this. It's that we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, we are not only saved by grace, but we're trained by grace. If I wanna see sin be killed in my life, if I wanna by the spirit put to death, the sin that's in my life, the way that the spirit will guide me is what he is always doing. And he's always pointing to Jesus Christ. And it will be by me looking to Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter of my faith. And look at what, who he is, look at what he's done and what he's still to do for me, a child of God. Man, that's how I have sin die in my life. I've got to refocus, refocus. Last thing I want to speak to is this. There is a practical teaching that I believe that a lot of us have tried to place in our life since we were very little. And it's a practical teaching that can be, I believe, very damaging and cause legalism. And here's what it is, is that there is a list, one through whatever it might be, And that list is a priority list of how you live and who you live it to, okay? And so for instance, it would be this, make God number one on your list, make your spouse number two or family number two or church number three, whatever the list is, you have a priority list and God's always supposed to be number one and then you work down the list. Somewhere school, Somewhere's, you know, Yourself and recreation, or what I mean, you've got a list, and I want you to know that that can be so damaging for how to view the work of the gospel in your life. And instead of when we say refocus, some of you are gonna you, you, the whole time you've been trying to jot down how you were gonna fix your life with another list. And, and, and I want you to think of it differently refocus. Let's look to Jesus and let's begin to see all of our list. Through the lenses of who Jesus Christ is, what Jesus Christ has done, and what He is still to do in our life, see all of our life through the lens of the gospel, so that when we look at our family, man, we want to be—I want to be—one a godly father and a godly husband. I want to be a godly friend. I want to be all those things, but also I see uh, how the gospel and God's word makes sense of marriage, family, work play, food, uh, everything in my life. I believe that I can see how God's word helps it make sense, why it exists, its purpose, and how it can be used to to honestly uh, bring us to walk closer with Jesus in all that we do. We got to refocus to be trained by grace, not try to make a list. And so refocus, look to Jesus. Last scripture that we're going to see and then we will conclude is Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two, this is verses 11 through 14. And you'll see, man, this has so much to do with how by the spirit, sin is killed in our life. Titus two, verse 11 says, for the grace of God is, has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That does not mean that all people are uh, saved or that there's a salvation that is given to all people. It means there's a salvation available to all people. The uh, The gospel of Jesus and the grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, so God's grace trains us, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. That means live it today. That's what that means. Live it now, not in some future version of you, like today, be trained by grace. And and the reason why we need to see this is this is the exact same order that we've been talking about the whole time, that things have to be removed and things need to be replaced. And the whole This whole conversation is in the context of the gospel of Jesus being invested deeply in our hearts by the spirit of God. We're told for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to put away things that bring death, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright and godly lives. For some of you that, I talked about that pornography deal earlier some of you, self control is the thing that you cannot break. And you've been trying to break it for years. And I want you to understand clearly by God's word only by the Spirit can you put to death the deeds of your lack of self control. It's going to be as you are trained by the grace, as you look to what Jesus has done, see how Jesus bore your sin, how Jesus became your sin. He became your addiction. He became that thing you keep falling to and he was crushed for it and he raised from the grave, victorious over it. And now he offers you the power to walk not in in sin, but in line with the spirit of God. Oh, that today we would be, not only know that we have saving grace, That same gospel brings training grace. The way that we're saved is the same gospel that we're sanctified by. Church, may we remember who we are. May we remember what Christ has done. May we remove sin that gets in the way that's in our lives. Get rid of it, kill it, put it to death. May we replace it. With godliness. May we replace it with God's Word and the the fruit of God's Spirit. And may we refocus our lives to look at Jesus. Look to who He is, what He's done, why He matters so much, what He's still to do. May we be transformed as we stare deeply at the gospel of Jesus. I want to ask you if you would to stand as we respond and Oh, there are so many possibilities of response today, but let me give you a few. Today, if if you are here, maybe even as Kyle spoke earlier, maybe as as he even said, hey, maybe there are some here today who you don't know Christ. You're not a Christian. You're not in Christ. Man, today, I want you to know that you can come into the kingdom of God by believing on Jesus Christ. I would love to talk to you about believing in Jesus. Come and speak to me today. I'll be down in the front. Come talk. If you don't know Christ, come and know him. Man, for some of you, you may say, man, I, I have, I've been coming. I do believe, uh, I, but I've never been baptized. I, I've never been baptized. I, I want you today, maybe today's the day that you come and speak to me about that. We want you to be able to identify with the people here. Be obedient to the Lord through baptism. To come and say, Man, I was dead, but I, I've been, uh, I, I was buried with Christ, and now I've been raised to live a new life in the context of this community that we have here at ABC. Man, come forth. If you're here, and, and, and part of the reason why, I man, you're struggling with your sin and you're struggling by yourself. You're struggling alone. You don't have people spurring you on and encouraging you and praying over your life. Listen, you need to be a part of the church, not just attend. Come. Come for us. Some of you are wanting to come for membership. Man, come, tell me. Let's talk through it. We've got a membership class that will be starting up again next week. Next Sunday, 9.30, it'll be on the, on the bridge, a membership class, ABC Connect class. If you want to walk through what membership is and what it looks like, and you don't think talking to me up here is enough time, and I would agree with you. Man, come tell me that you wanna be in that class. Let me help you. Let, let us walk with you in what membership is and why it's so important for the Christian. Last thing Today if you sit here and there is sin that is clinging so close to you, if there's sin that needs to be removed, sin that's plaguing your ability to walk in line with the Spirit, man, come and deal with it today. Let us pray over you. Let us pray with you. Confess that sin to the Lord, but sometimes the way that you're healed is to confess it to another brother or sister as the Lord heals you. Father May you do a great work in this place today May